0: The Holy Spirit fell. And when the last one of the twelve apostles died, all that other stuff left too. And it's over. The only problem with that teaching is that it's not in the Bible. It's just not. And somebody said, well, are you an authority? No, but nearly. <laughs> and uh, it is so true today That God is moving by His Spirit. Amen. Paul, uh, may I insist that you step up here in front for just a moment and take this white rope, please, if you will. And uh, walk down the aisle with it, any aisle you want. Unravel it as you go. Thank you, sir. He's doing a good job. That's good. Pull it a little bit straighter, would you please? just? Yeah, there you go. Now hold it up. Hold it up right there. Now, folks, look here. You all going to sit there and let me have to do that, aren't you? All right. See that white rope? That long rope represents your life. That rope represents your life. Okay? Look here. Here's the only part that really matters. The blood. If you don't have the blood. No matter what else happens. If you don't have this part. All that rest of that part has gone. Shout amen for me. Amen. Paul hold that for a minute. That's a long rope. It goes way back over there. But that experience right here. At the cross, where the blood was shed for your sin. If you don't have this right here, the rest of that, they not going to count. Because there'll come a day when every man will stand and be judged for that right there. And if the blood's applied, if the blood's applied, then you'll make heaven your home. And if this is not here, If that is invisible in your life, then it's gone. It's totally gone. So, thank you, Paul. You did a good job. I appreciate that. Would you look at your neighbor and say out loud to them, I got that. Did you get it? I got it. Thank you, bud. Just lay it right there. I may get you to do that again in a few minutes. Uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to go where the Holy Ghost led me. I even took off the mic once and put it down because I really felt like that this service would be totally a different direction. But when the Spirit did what He did, I, uh, I kind of felt a release to go ahead and speak for just a few minutes. I don't want to bore you. And my point today will be so powerful that there may be someone here right now who needs to hear exactly what God gave me. There's going to be a little celebration after church today in the fellowship hall for Barbara and myself for being ordained in the ministry for 50 years. And uh, that's all exciting. And so when church is over, don't leave. Go back here and celebrate with us a little bit. And uh, we will not be eating ribeyes, but we will be eating cake and all kinds of stuff that I love. Uh, let's let's talk from Luke 13. You have your Bible. I hope you do. Luke 13. All right. I'm just going to go through this quickly. Not to. Uh, Not to belabor any points. You will be well qualified to hear what I'm going to say. Luke 13, verse 1. I think it will be behind me. Is that correct? In the booth? Okay. I'm reading from the New International. Excuse me. The New King James. There were present at that season some... Who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices? And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the others the other Galileans because they suffered such things? He said I tell you no. But unless you repent you'll all likewise perish. And Jesus goes on, Are those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them? Do you think they were sinners? Uh, What's this? Were sinners than all the other who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. The end of that rope, right down there, tells the true story of what this is all about. It's about the blood of Jesus. I'm going to click this off one point after another rapidly for your benefit. The Bible gives an account of an experience in the life of Jesus that most people totally miss out on in this truth that I just read. Jesus was talking to a group of people who were walking in very increased knowledge. Listen, not in ignorance. They were not ignorant. They were well informed on the latest current events of their day. They were in the know morally, religiously, and politically. They were in the know. If I could say it like this, it's much like this crowd that's here right now. A whole lot like everybody here. They were familiar with what was going on, and their conversation that they were making reflected their knowledge. They were witnesses of people who had been slain, people who were martyrs, suffering saints and sinners. They were in the presence of Jesus and were carrying on a very intellectual and intelligent conversation with Christ. Carefully hear what I'm saying. While this is taking place, Jesus reminded them that with all of their familiarity about religion that they were still lost. They were lost on familiar ground. Did that resonate in anybody's life here just now? They knew it and they knew it well. They were on familiar ground but still not right. The shocking reality of this text is that uh, I could say, and accurately so, they knew the preacher. They knew the programs of the church. They knew the eldership in the church. They knew what Bible study was. They knew what religious rites and ceremonies were. They knew everything about everything. They could talk about the kids who sang in the junior choir or the people who could sing on the praise team. They knew people on a first-name basis. They read newspapers, if they would have had them like we have them. And there's no indication that these people were the baser sort. There's no indication of that scripturally. Probably. They were the upper crust of the religious crowd, much like what was there on the day of Pentecost, on Pentecost Sunday. Could I tell it to you like this? They were church people. They were synagogue attenders. They were scribes, Pharisees, sinners, and some saints. They were people who knew Jesus Christ, but only On an intellectual level. Not. A hard experience. Notice if you will. That they were the ones that approached Jesus. He didn't approach them. They knew enough about him. And where he was. And what he was doing. To go to him. May I add again. Just like. People. That are on the sound of my voice right now. The. uh, the 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 deal here is that Jesus gave this crowd a truth, a truth that will never change. In essence, he said that no matter what you know, what you have seen, and what you have experienced, if you don't repent, you'll perish like all the rest of the world. Every bit of it. You remember the red end of the rope I had a while ago in my hand. You remember that. That experience right there will cancel an eternal hell for you. It will wipe it out. <clears throat> you see, uh, you can know it. You can see it. You can observe it. You can discuss it. You can analyze it. You can talk about it. But if you don't, Repent. Jesus said, like those that a tower fell on and killed them, and people that Pilate had killed and intermingled their blood with sacrifices, if you don't repent, you'll end up just like they did without God in the end. No matter how long you've been hanging around us, or no matter how long you've been hanging around a church, no matter how long you can be lost On familiar ground. You can be lost. On familiar ground. If you will forgive me for not being my evangelical firebrand self today. I really feel like God has taken this service, this direction for a reason. Because today we've seen manifestations and healings. I stepped over to someone a while ago. And said there are people at the front that had strokes. disease cancer, and they're receiving the touch from God. Jesus goes on to illustrate this truth in verse number 6, 7, 8, and 9. Again, in the same chapter, I'd like to read it in your hearing, if I may, from the New King James Version. In verse number 6, he spake this parable of them that a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came seeking fruit thereon and found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come by seeking fruit on this fig tree and found none. Cut it down. Why does it encumber the ground? Uh, The fig tree was where it was supposed to be in the vineyard. The only problem was it wasn't producing. It was not producing. It was occupying soil, but not producing. And then verse number 8. But he answered and said, speaking about the keeper of the vineyard, uh, Sir, the owner, he said to the owner of the vineyard, let it alone this year also uh, until I can dig around it, and fertilize it. You know what he's saying? He's saying, Master of the Vineyard, give me one more chance. That's all I want. I just want one more chance. Would you just have me one more shot? I just got to have one more shot at it. And then he said that uh, after that, after that year, uh, he said, uh, "If it bears fruit, then well. But if not, it says then you should cut it down." And I, I worked all week long on a sermon about the Day of Pentecost. Man, I ranted and raved and preached, going down the road and the highway and driving on my four wheeler and working on the farm. I I preached all week long on the day of Pentecost because this is Pentecost Sunday. And God took me by both of my shoulders and turned me and said that he was the owner of the vineyard and the keeper of the vineyard is that pastoral staff, music minister, the assistant pastor, the youth pastor. We're the keepers. And God spoke to me and said, there are people who are in that vineyard, but they're not producing. And they'll soon be removed. And God spoke to my heart. And I said, Lord, they've asked me to preach this Sunday. Give us one more chance. Please, God, give us one more shot at it. We'll dig at their heart, we'll take a pick and shovel, we'll pour the fertilizer in, we'll water, we'll trim, we'll do anything we need to do. And it was like God granted us one more season. Just in case of somebody in this crowd today that you know it all, you've seen it all, you can name every song in the hymnal, And saying to praise courses, you know me, you know the lead pastor, you know the young people, you know everything there is to know except you're lost on familiar ground because you haven't been to the foot of the cross where the blood was applied. Somebody said, that is so harsh. Maybe not as harsh as you think when you realize that the day will come if you don't make it right. That you'll stand before God in front of the entire universe of everybody who's ever lived and have God look you in your face and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The blood has not been applied. There's a vineyard. The owner is there. That's God. The dresser, that's the worker that keeps the vineyard. And a fig tree where it should be in the vineyard. The fig tree had not produced in three years. And it was an unfruitful tree. And the owner of the vineyard told the worker, cut it down. It's taking up moisture, nutrients. And and there's something else out there that's better uh, that can get that nutrient, remove it. And his exact words were, you shall cut it down. And I thought that is a sobering thought. You may be here right now with something in your life. That I'm not knowing about, or nobody else is. It may be a hidden sin. It may be something that you have not yet repented of. It may be something in your life that you've never dealt with, and you've been to the altar to pray over the years. You may have sang on this platform. You may have been in all kinds of activities so close but so far away and God's speaking to you today and he's saying that if there's anything in your life that you haven't gotten out of your heart and repented and let the blood cover it and this is your day to get right with God. You're lost on familiar ground. What a startling thought. Somebody says, well, I can't believe you'd preach that on Pentecost Sunday. You know what we like about Pentecost Sunday? Tongues, manifestations, great joy, leaping, praying, one accord, uh, loud worship. all the, That's what we like. Peter's sermon. But what we often overlook on the day of Pentecost is at the end of that day, 3,000 people met Jesus at the cross. And were baptized and followed him. Paul, hand me the end of that rope, that red end, please. On that day, the result of Pentecost was not tongues. This is all I need right here. Uh, What was not speaking in tongues only. It was not manifestations. The thing that happened that day were 3,000 people who were well informed, knew a lot, understood a lot, asked a lot of questions. Had been around a lot, but they never had this. They never had this. They were lost on familiar ground. I had an old preacher tell me when I was a kid preacher. He said, it's a bad thing for a man to go to hell dancing in a Texas honky-tonk with another man's wife and boozing it up. He said, but it's just as bad to go to hell while you sit on the church pew and you've heard it all your life and you're lost on familiar ground. Somebody is getting a word from God. And I'm feeling an anointing so strong that I'm sensing in the Holy Ghost that God's speaking to somebody's heart. This might be your day to get this. So the rest of your life will really matter. The gardener interceded with the owner. He said, if it pleases you after we try again, it'll be well. I know that the modern... Motivational speakers on television and modern churches, and they don't talk about this anymore. I'm totally aware of that. I'm dumb, but I'm not, I'm not plumb dumb. I'm some dumb, but not all the way. And I know that what I hear a lot of now in this modern church world is uh, sow your seed, get your blessing. The devourer's going to go. And if you'll make out your check payable to me, it'll happen. And there's about a thousand of them out there wanting your check to be sent to them. The bottom line is is that if you do every bit of that and you haven't done this, you're still lost. I don't care what your favorite preacher is, you're still lost if you hadn't had this. And the rest of that life out there, and I'm going to count, because someday when you get before God, you won't see, he won't see the blood. You see, the gardener took a great role here I don't know if you understand that But I'm taking a great risk today Because somebody that doesn't know me well Or somebody who may know me very well Said, well, I went down there to hear Johnson And dear God, all I heard was Hellfire, hellfire You know, you get off of that stupidity That everybody talks about I haven't preached on hell in ten years Now, I promise you, it's been 10 years since I really preached on the subject of hell. So today it's not about hell. Today it's about you being lost and knowing exactly where you are spiritually and not doing anything about it. You see, they were tilling the soil, the dresser of the vineyard was. They were watering and putting forth effort. Uh, They were trying to reel in that fig tree. If it doesn't produce, God said, you know, it will be removed. Have you forgotten that the Bible actually has these words written in it? That God said, My spirit will not always strive with man. Have we forgotten that verse out of the 30 something thousand scriptures in the Bible? Uh, How long has it been since you heard a preacher get up and quote that verse? I promise you on your life, it's been 15 years, maybe 20. Maybe some of you have never heard that, but God said, My spirit will not always strive. With man, you know what we're doing today? We're asking God for one more chance to allow us to time to bring you to a place of repentance so you won't be lost on familiar ground. I beg you today, don't neglect your opportunity. You can know the word of God and still be lost. That's what these people were doing. They knew it. They knew it. They, they were even up on current events. You know, you, you can know everything there is to know about this church and its programs and still be lost. You can know our service schedule. You can do anything that you want to do as far as knowing all about everything around here. Uh, we don't have secrets. Our financial records are open to all the people who support this church. There, there's nothing that you don't have access to except we need to realize That until you have this, you don't have that life. What are you doing, Pastor Johnson? I'm here today at the root of your fig tree with a pick and a shovel. I'm going to dig at your heart. I'm going to stir the soil in your life this morning. No matter how much you understand about God, His church, et cetera, you still need to repent and be saved and follow Christ to make heaven your home. My amens are scarce today, but, you know, I really wouldn't expect anybody to do any jumping and jerking on this anyhow. Uh, to prove my point even further, let's look at the same chapter. We're doing a running commentary. Look at verse number 24. Would you please? Same area here. Verse 24 through 28. <clears throat> Strive to enter in at the straight gate. Okay? At the narrow gate is what this text says. For many I say that you will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and begin to stand outside. And you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he will answer and say to you, I I don't know you, where you are from. And verse number 26. Then you will begin to say, uh, we ate and drank in your presence. Everybody listen to me. Ding, 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 ding. We're familiar with you. Oh, do we know well. You know us. I was there a lot. Man, I hung out. You know. What are you talking about, Lord? Man, come on. You know. He said, uh, Then you will begin to say, uh, We ate and and drank in your presence. And uh, you taught in our streets. We, We heard you. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you. Where you are from? Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Look, look at if you will at verse twenty-eight. Here's the clincher, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And when you, when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves are thrust out, lost. On familiar ground. What a startling 21st century sermon. Wait, Brother Johnson, that's retro. We have a new era. We have a new day. This no longer applies. We're in the new wave. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no wave outside that one. There's no wave outside that one. I know that, and you know that. And somebody said, well, what has that got to do with the day of Pentecost? On the day of Pentecost, when they heard this message about Jesus Christ, 3,000 people who were well-informed but not right found God that day. Come on, buddy, say amen. Is anybody hearing me? Go ahead and give them praise. I want you to give them praise. Startling reality is that there is a window of opportunity. There is a window of opportunity. I'm getting my last part right here now, and I'll give a closing illustration. Verse 24 Jesus says, Strive to enter in the straight gate of the narrow gate, and many will seek to enter and shall not be able. Startling reality is this window of opportunity can pass you by. Probably not likely for me, Brother Johnson. You're exactly right. But once it does, it'll be too late. It says the master of the house can shut the door and you will continue to knock. Verse 25. You see, the people knew the way, they knew the way. They repeatedly cried out, Lord, open the door. You'll see it in the New King James Version in verse 25 through 27 again. And he replied, I don't know you. And then he said the second time, I don't know you. And here's how I'd like to illustrate it. Listen carefully. I want to illustrate it for you now. In Bible days, the cities had walls. You hear a lot about uh, uh, Republicans and Democrats fussing about walls now, don't you? We need a wall. We don't need a wall. You know, uh, I'm tired of walls. Uh, but there, there's, a, there, there's a thing in the Bible that cities had walls. It's easy to prove walls of Jericho. Amen. The walls of Babylon. I mean, it's just all you got to do is read a Bible and say, oh, here it is again and again. The walls at Jerusalem, they were broken down. Nehemiah had to repair them. Now watch me close. Look at me. Please fashion your eyes on me. The city usually had gates on every side. And the merchants in town, now watch me, would take their goods to things they had for sale, go outside the gate of the city, and have tables and places set up. And wayfarers would come by from other cities, other countries, other nations. And they would buy the goods and the crafts, even the food that was there. And then the people would stay there all day from sunrise to sunset. You've got to follow this. It's going to be overwhelming in about two minutes. And while they were seated outside an hour before sundown, the keeper of the wall stood on the wall and put a trumpet to his lips and blasted the call that time is running out. There's one hour of daylight left. You better wrap up your goods and get in. Because when the gate is shut, there'll be no more entrances. There will be no more. And most of the merchants would jump up, Jimmy. They'd grab all of their stuff and pack their donkey or their pack mule and they would rush inside and go home and wait for tomorrow's sunrise so they could go again. But every once in a while, someone would say, Wait a minute, we've got another warning coming up. About 30 minutes before dark, we'll have time. So at 30 minutes before dark, the keeper of the wall would blast the trumpet again it could be heard everywhere. And while it was being blasted, people said, second morning, wow, we've got to hurry now. We've got to get out of here. We've got to get inside that wall. We've got to get in quick. They were not in a distant country. They were not way away. They were, they were not off yonder. They were right at the door. Again, familiar ground. They were on familiar ground, and they rushed in. And then at sundown, while the doors were being closed, the trumpeter would blast one more time. And then when the door was shut, people would say, Oh, we heard you teach. We were with you. You ate with us. We were in that last big church service where you cast out demons. We we were there. And you'll pound pound on the door and pound on the door and pound on the door and pound on the door. But you can't get in. I'm sorry that your opportunities and the warnings that you got were not heeded. That's what he said. Lost on familiar ground. Wow. It was a sermon about like this on the day of Pentecost that 3,000 people found God. Somebody said, what do you mean like this? Pretty much. All you got to do is read it. All you got to do is just read it. Can you put up Mark twelve thirty-four? Mark twelve thirty four. Ron, would you come? Mark twelve thirty four, is it up there yet? We got it? Look in the quotation marks. Look at the quotation marks. You're not far from the kingdom of God. You're that close. You're that close. You're right by the door when it's shut. Right there. And all it takes is this. Listen to this song. Listen to it close. I want you to hear it. This will be our closing remarks. Go right ahead, Ron.
1: I got up on Sunday morning, went to the church at 10. I listened to the words I'd heard. And time again, the preacher spoke of sinful lives. It seems he spoke of mine, but I was young, I had plenty of time. I walked on down life's pathway, living as I wish to live. How to beat the other fellow? How to get what life could give? Making money isn't sinful. Having fun, well that's not a crime. So I'll just wait, 'cause I've got plenty. I got plenty of time before I knew what happened life scenes had passed away and millions stood before God's throne for it was judgment day now eternity darkness beckons and the name it calls is mine but I thought that I had plenty of time eternity waits I've got plenty of time to think of all the days that Christ could have been mine, now my chance is over as days are left behind, and here I am with plenty of time, now I've got nothing but plenty of time.
0: stretch the rope again. This is it. Go right down to my right here if you will, Paul. Somebody in this house right now God has spoken to. You just may... I'm not trying to talk you out of your salvation. I'm trying to tell you to make sure Trying to tell you that someday you'll have plenty of time. Someday you'll have a lot of time. But if you're not right with God today, would you come here, kneel on that old mourner's bench? Would you just be bold enough to say, Dear God, I want to make sure I'm right. Amen.
1: Let's all shut our
0: eyes for a moment. Is anybody going to get up and come? Come on down. I want to make sure. I just want to make sure. Kneel before God. I strongly recommend you join these. They're coming down the aisles right now coming down all across this house somebody says I'm not going to be lost on a familiar ground. I want to make sure thank you buddy come on God bless you 10 10 people right now could have just get forgive me for being so broken this morning but this is Pentecost Sunday it was more about 3,000 people getting right it was way more about that than about the manifestations and I believe in all those manifestations plenty of time before I knew what happened Life seemed to slip away I saw millions before God's throne for it was judgment day Anyone else now? If not, I'd like for some loving, kind, and gentle believers to press your way to these altars quickly. Come on. You're a believer. Get up. Come do something for God right now.